All right, welcome to, where are we at, Mike? Episode 66 of the BobbyCast, and with Karen Fairchild from Little Big Town. Hi, Karen. Hello. We tried to do this before. I know, that was my fault. And we got bumped for some little show. The Voice or something? Is that what it's called? It was The Voice. So, <laughs> because that was the finale, right? Mm-hmm. And who did you sing with? Lauren. Lauren? Yeah, she's I saw, got, gosh, I, she's I saw her sing the other voice. day at CMA Fest. Uh, pull that mic down. Get comfortable. Okay. Yeah, just do it. Grab it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess up your fancy mic. You're... I think that might might have cost forty dollars. Really, it sounds good. It looks fancy. It is fancy. Yours is gold, but it's not real gold. <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors up here. So when you go do a show like The Voice, they only call they call you a week at a time. Less than no, that? less than that. And they, I, I think it was less than that. It was like maybe three or four days, and they were, you know, trying to figure out what song and what she would sing on the finale. And I guess we were on her list. Well, we had blocked. Her list. What do you of, mean? of people that she really wanted to collaborate with. Oh, wow. So they get to actually make like a Santa's oh, wish list. I think so. And so they, I, and she had done Better Man on the show in the battle round. And, and so they had called Jason and said, is there any way? And he's like, well, they're off. And, and the Bobby cast. And the Bobby cast. <laughs> and, and so I was like, I think Bobby would probably understand if you let him know that it's the voice. He, I mean, he. You'll probably be okay if we reschedule. So, thank you. That's pretty cool, though, right? Like yeah, the finale. Yeah, it was awesome. And she didn't win, but you know what's funny? Country people do so well on that show. Oh. Because they, one, here's why, this is my theory, because I think everything is money. Everything's money to me. Right. Everything's money. So, you money. think Blake couldn't win this year? I think that Blake can't win every year. I know, so. So, they have to find years to not let him win, but country artists still spend money on music. Not artists, uh, buyers, consumers. Yeah, yeah. Either hard CDs. We still have the format where people buy the most. Like 60% is still right. physical. And we download the most more so than stream. So they can sell music to country consumers. So if they can find the – my thing is every year they find one or two really good country people. They always and they, do. And they boost them up. Yeah. And so – and listen, I think – I didn't watch the show, but I watched enough of it to know – and I thought she should have won just by what I watched. But they can't let Blake win every year. I know. I know. Blake is, man, when he, like, engages his audience and says, don't y'all, I mean, the country fans are going to show us tonight what they think. I'm like, God, here he goes again. He's going to win again. And they do. I know. Like, everybody, it's all, I mean, I have such a weird, like, love-hate relationship with with this town. Sometimes I get really irritated. With the fans and the listeners. It's like, I've never seen anything like it before. I the loyalty say, and the loyalty. The, I don't deserve the, passion, the loyalty that like I get. They, they're very passionate. Like, don't you see when you go out? Like, they they wait weeks, months. Like, they take their money that they work. I know. And they come to a show. Yeah, they pick like a couple of shows they can do a year. You know, they can go to a year, and they they wait and they wait and they wait and they buy their tickets and they sit out front and it's it's amazing. That's why we're still here. I mean, it's funny whenever you say you're still here. Because I think to the average listener of country music, it would feel like you know you guys in the last five years have just become superstars. Like here's Little Big Town. Pah! Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't feel. I mean, I don't feel L- superstars. Less than, well, no, you guys are now. You're you are, and well, and it's time. And I don't say this to everybody. But it's time for you guys to be in that echelon of Entertainer of the Year. And it's weird to put a group in there. But if, but if Florida George Lyon can be in there, I think you can be in there. And they're they're not one person. Right. And I think once that kind of seal was broken, you can put a group in there. Well, Alabama used to be in there Absolutely. all the time. Okay. And I think Zach Brown should be in there. 
Oh, what a weird thing. And this is a weird thing for me too. Whenever it's you guys against Zach Brown Band, it's such a weird pull because I think that they're the greatest band in country oh music gosh. history. I, I, I just heard Chicken Fried on Big 98 a few minutes ago and I was like, God, that record still, it just, it's so, I just, I don't know, it still sounds so good. And he is what entertainer of the year. That's the definition. He when you're selling out. himself with such good people. Yeah, God, that band. They're so good. And I've been able to see them 10 times. And I have a good job. I get to go do cool things and right. be up close and do theater th- shows with Zach Brown. They're so good. I have said this before. I think that we it's hard to see greatness when it's at arm's length. Usually you get to see it from a long way away. Luckily, right. we saw Tiger Woods whenever he was in his prime. Michael Jordan, I was a little too young for Michael Jordan to really respect that. But with Zach Brown Band, I was like, I, now I'm like, this is, to my, in my opinion, the greatest country band of all time. Yeah. Now, Alabama has way more hits, but I feel like as a band. You know, my point is, it's tough when you two are against each other. Well, yeah, and, and like Lady A, we're super close to them. I mean, everybody in that category, they're friends of ours, so it's... Yeah, but on the coolness factor, it's you two. It's you guys and Zach Brown Band. That's what everybody, that's who everybody fights about. Like, who should win? Not who do people like more, because everybody likes you guys more. Like, as people, because Zach's never here. And Zach's quiet and kind of aloof. I like Zach, because I've been lucky enough to spend time with him. If you just met Zach, you'd be like, what a weirdo. We used to tour with him. He, he opened up for us. on the Right when Chicken Fried was hitting, um, He had we had booked like 15 dates with them opening for us, if you can believe that. Really? And, and were they chicken, good then? Like, oh, did my you hear gosh. Them and go, wow. Yeah, yeah, they were amazing. And, and Zach, um, you know, I... I love him and I respect him so much because he he could have left our little tour and he kept that commitment and it wasn't a lot of money and and they were exploding and starting to be on the Grammy stage and there they were out there keeping their commitment to us and I I just respect him and the guys so much for that whenever people start talking about perseverance in the industry and I guess my point was just in the time that I've been in Nashville four plus years it's like watching you guys go boom. I remember watching Crook and Chase and whenever the Tornado record yeah. came out and you guys doing the Crook and Chase TV show. And, and I, cause I, I would watch Crook and Chase all the time. Yeah. And I remember you guys being on there with them when that record was coming out. I was like, huh, okay. Let me see what this group's all about. Got two. It's kind of like a boy band, but not really. <laughs> like I didn't know. Like, I, I, <laughs> like I, a boy band. I really didn't know. And I was – because I grew up in the the '90s era, the Arkansas '90s area, but then I checked out for a bit. I was like, "This sounds not. I'm not really into it." I kind of got into alternative and some hip hop stuff. Yeah. Um, came back around, obviously, which is what put me here. But I was like, "Let me let me find out about the little big town group." And in that time, you guys have become superstars. But I guess my point is, how many label deals did you guys have? Have you had? Uh, let's see, four. You've had four record deals. I think as a yeah. group. As a group. Does that mean you've been dropped three times? We have been dropped. Uh, Mercury, Sony. They don't care if I mean I, they don't care if we name it because no, this was good. eons ago. Um, I don't know what an eon is, but it's a big. Yeah. Term. It's a, it must be a long. And then uh, we were at uh, an indie label. That's where the road to here with Boondocks and Bring On Home. That record is the record that sold a million three, and that was the little indie label called um, Equity. <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> I almost forgot what the label is called. Equity, but so they're you- not in business anymore. You get dropped from two, and what mm-hmm. happened to Equity? Did they go away? They went away. They went yeah. away, as in, like, they just, did you guys go on a, like a promotion from it, Equity because your record did well? No, uh, they were. It's like you know, indie labels. It's always like a financial so it really just, battle. It, it dissolved, and then you were free agents again. 
And then, yes. Wow, three times. Yeah, and so then that's when we felt like, wow, now people really want us, you know, because we had sold a million three on that record and and all of a sudden the people that had dropped us or rejected us, you know, during that time period were calling. And it was really fun. It's really fun. I love that. that Even, I mean, it was really fun to be popular for. Especially with people that rejected you. Like I had girls, sometimes girls will reach out on Facebook that rejected yeah. me, which is about every girl, by the way. <laughs> every, every girl, that, they've all rejected me and they're all like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, Doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you good? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. You know, talk, and I have a lot to talk about, but uh, Little White Church to me, did you feel like whenever Beyonce did Single Ladies that she kind of stole? <laughs> do you feel a little no, bit? but I do think like that's, ours is like the hillbilly version of that. But wasn't you know? this before that? Um, I can't remember. Mike, you may want to Google that, but I would always, I would hear Single Ladies and I'd be like, hmm, that sounds like, like maybe Beyonce maybe heard something about little no, white church no i highly doubt that but um i do think it's like the redneck version of that she have twins just now wow they haven't put out a statement you know what i, I guess i don't i, I think her dad said something yeah he did but i bet he's in trouble pro- probably on purpose <laughs> i'm i believe everything's calculated even you do, even, even matthew knowles even matthew knowles i believe is calculated yeah probably he was a manager so do you do you look at like pop culture stuff and watch like people. And- yeah, I, I mean, I do. I didn't happen to catch um, the worst dress thing on E the other night, but Philip told me that I made it you, for, for what? What the CMT? <laughs> for the CMT awards? awards. And I usually watch E, and um, for some reason I must have missed it, but they didn't like my boots, and I planned my whole outfit around my boots. It, so for you to be a worst dressed, because you have your own clothing line. Yeah. You just need to be on a list. It doesn't matter if it's worst well, or best. Well, that's what I say. It's like if you if you're on a red carpet, you're gonna be on the worst list eventually. And but I, I was I didn't know it, and Philip was like, "Hey, I hope you didn't take that to heart." <laughs> and I was like, "Take what to heart?" Oh, you didn't know I even didn't know. when he said that. And he goes, "Oh, did you not see E?" And I was like, "Crap, no, what?" But anyhow, I don't know. I think Cat Saller doesn't like me or something. If I mean, maybe I think she they does. just look for people to Listen, talk about. Here's the thing about good and bad. It matters. If you're on either one of them, if you're on the most powerful or the biggest douchebag list, and I've been on both, sometimes <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> That's when you know you're doing something right. If you're on the worst and the best you list. You just want to be on a list because that That's means true. you matter. That's like, true. How many years was it that you didn't matter? Oh. Like, forever, right? Forever. Who would have thought you'd be upset? Or at least and, irritated that you didn't make E's best. <laughs> you're on the worst dress list. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, I, I mean, sometimes I just wear stuff because I just want to. And I know uh, and know that I'm going out there a little far and I don't care. So it didn't really shock me. But I was like, Dad, gum it. I do think that the boots were good. I don't even remember the boots. I know. I well, you've got a hot chick girlfriend, so. Uh, yeah, for now. We'll see. Uh, We'll see. Oh my gosh. I don't know how long she can put up with this. I get her oh, in more trouble. I know the drama. Well, no, just me in general. No, not even the drama. Not even just the drama. Just me as a person. <laughs> yes, just me. Are you hard to live with? I don't. Are she you hard li- to love? She doesn't live with me. Well, you know what I mean. And hard to date. I'm hard to be a human around. I have no human skills. Like, very little. What do you do right now? Oh, because there's a microphone in front of my face. I'm the most amazing human ever. Look at me. <laughs> I'm so personable. Get me out of this microphone room. I had nothing to say. I don't believe that. No, I don't want to talk about me. Okay. okay. I'm going to talk about sleep number for one second. So, you know, I do the show from my house, and my bedroom's like right down the hall. 
And so I have a sleep number in my bedroom. I love the sleep number bed because of how well I sleep. My sleep number setting is a 30. And right now, sleep number has introduced a new bed. It's the sleep number 360 smart bed designed to keep each of you and everybody effortlessly comfortable for your best possible sleep. Like all their beds, sleep number 360 smart beds let you choose your ideal firmness and support on each side of the bed. That's your sleep number setting. All new responsive air technology, the bed senses your every move and automatically adjusts to you so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. And how about this? The sleep number 360 smart bed can even pre-warm each side of the bed so it's just right for both of you. So there's that. My sleep number setting is 30. My sleep IQ score last night, I don't even think I had mine on last night because it was a long night. But it's not, a lot of times in the 90s. Uh, right now, lowest price of the season, say five to $700 on most of the popular 2016 beds. Go to sleepnumber.com and find a store near you. I call 800-NEXT-BED, and I do think you're going to love it. Tell them Bobby Bones told you all about it on the, on the Bobbycast. Okay, so let's see. How about this here? This is – see if this rings a bell. Oh, my gosh. How did you find that? <gasps> what is this? Here? That's a gospel band I was in, like, oh, my gosh, a long time ago. Look how different I sound. Lord, send me. Yeah, I grew up Lord, in the church. And that's my friend Rick Kittleman that's about to sing. I will say that band, um, fierce singers in that band. Truth? Mm-hmm. You know Truth? Yeah, I know it because I know you. But did you know it outside of knowing me? No. No, yeah. No. They, I don't think they're around anymore. Oh, they stayed after you? Like well, after, after you left, they stayed being a group. They're they were they're a band. They're like a like a a church ensemble. Like think Tower of Power with horns okay. and yeah. And they travel around. And I mean, I went to like all over the world. Really? With them? Mm-hmm. So great learning experience. When you grew up, would you sing in church? Like, as, I want to get up and just sing. You raise your hand and go up and sing. No, I had horrible stage fright. Really? Like I would stay up all night long. My dad would. My dad was a businessman, and he would. He would lead um, like praise and worship on Sunday, do the hymns on Sunday morning because he loved music. And so he would make us get up there and sing with him. And I would literally stay up all night long. But I secretly, I, I really wanted to do it. But I was just so afraid. Who's and now, us? When you say... He, my sister and I. She sing? Mm-hmm. Does she still sing? No, no. Was she a good singer? Yeah. And my dad has a beautiful voice. Mom didn't sing and my brother didn't sing, but... So we grew up singing in the church, and but we, we grew up, the choices were gospel music or country music, and that's what we listened to, until, like, my sister started driving us to school, and then we started listening to, like, then it was The, the Loop in Chicago. So she um, was older sister. Older sister, okay. yep, and um, we would listen to, like, James Taylor and, you know, other stuff like the Fleetwood Mac and whatever, whatever was on the radio, and, and so that's how... I, that's kind of my musical roots. So I ended up being in this gospel band for a while. So and how do they come to you to be in a gospel band? And does it pay? Mm. Like, does it, the gospel band pay? Not really. I mean, they they pay enough to like, it's a ministry. So, you know, they're doing good out there. So they're, they're not paying very much, no. Like my preacher would get paid, but, you know, he wasn't banking. But no. He made a living. Right. If you were to stay in truth and sing the whole time. Would you have a nice house? No. No. I mean, no. Uh-uh. Like Michael Debbie Smith has a nice house? Yeah, but that's different. Joel Osteen has a really nice, like 40 houses. Yeah, that's because they, 
own what they're doing. You know, if you're if you're a hired gun to be in this band, you're not gonna make a lot of money. But I found from mostly for me, like the reason why I wanted to get out of gospel music was just because I wanted to just be who I am all the time and not feel like I'm duplistic in my living. You Explain. know, like like marrying commerce and art and ministry. It, it does feel I weird. think that's a, it feels very weird and I always felt very conflicted about it. You know, like what you just experienced this weekend of going and going to Haiti and think about if you're charging and you know it just gets to be like I don't know it just felt felt weird to me there's I'm not I'm not knocking it I'm just saying for me in in light of my faith and I I just felt like I needed to move on not moving on in my faith but moving on in the business and career I have trouble with that in a, in a way and I, so my manager Corin Capshaw mm-hmm. I was talking to him, and I said, hey, I have trouble sometimes because I, I like to do things for people, but also have a career, and I mm. want to have a great career, and I want to be able to have work hard and earn my money. And I was like, I told him, I said, I'm struggling with this sometimes because maybe I should do more of this good stuff and take away some of this career. And he said to me, the bigger you get, the more you can do. Yeah. If you love your career and you love helping – then the bigger you get, the more successful you are, the bigger your pipeline is to helping everything you want by you talking about it, by you doing it, by you giving money, by you. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like with Pimp and Joy, if you didn't have this huge platform, you wouldn't be affecting so many people. It's because of the platform that you get. I struggle with it though too, like you did. Yeah, but you're not, you're not like, I'm saying, not doing it. You're not saying that it's your only thing right. you're doing. You know, it would be different if you're saying, buy Pimp and Joy t-shirts and come down to the altar. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's like you're, you're, you're a professional. You're look, doing your job and then I, you're. I look at some of these preachers and they're making millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, I. They're right. I, I watched Bono. I went to see you two the other night. Were you, you there? No, but all my friends were. And I'm so, I was so jealous watching everybody. You thing. have to go. And that's another way where I think... Didn't you post it was like church or something? Well, I just posted that it was like, it was just unforgettable. I think Miranda posted that it was... I don't follow Miranda. Maybe... You don't? No, maybe... I saw your post and Nicole Gatlin. Um, do you know Nicole? Mm-hmm. She was there too. And both of you guys were posting like these epic greatest show ever. And I was like, oh man. It... Oh man. I feel like Bono's a preacher. Yeah, but in a in a good way. Like it, not in a. Somebody asked me if it was super political, and it wasn't. It was it was more of what we're talking about. It was like he was there to uplift people and to motivate them and to inspire them, and then to rock the house. It wasn't like I didn't take it. You know, there was a little bit that that got a little. I guess you could take it as political, but I didn't see it as that. I, I took it as he's raising awareness of what we should be focused on right now. And that's people and poverty and Are they really good too? Oh, okay. Well, before the sun goes down, you know, you kind of think about production and I know because of your band, you think about production and what you're going to do. And, and so the sun, you know, it was broad daylight when they came out there. Well, they just handled it like you would as a festival act. Like you're, you're out in the broad daylight. You just got to like 
rock it out. You're not trying to do anything. You're just like playing your songs and being amazing like they are. And then as soon as the sun started to go down, then you started to see like the first elements of production. And then it was the greatest. I mean, do you know, have you seen the show Abstract on Netflix? No. So the lighting director, as that does um, Beyonce and does the U2 tour like forever and ever, she designed this tour and it will just blow your mind. But you have to watch the show. She's on the first episode of Abstract and it's so inspiring. What's the show though? What's Abstract? It's like all creative things. Like one, one's an architect, one's about a graphic designer, one is about her. Um, so it's like taking the light source and how she's going to light Beyonce and she's done Broadway musicals and it's just fascinating. It's like the, the creme de la creme of people and their art forms. That's what the whole series is about. I'm a nerd too. So yeah, I'm a big nerd. You're talking to me like, (laughs) yeah, I'm a huge nerd. I know your podcast people are probably like boring. Stop talking about that. That's the opposite. My podcast people are nerds too. They are. Okay, good. We have a great little nerdy audience here. So, okay. You leave truth. Were you really like superbly talented in that band? No. Where you felt like you'd outgrown them as, uh, a, as an artist, as a singer, did you as a performer, did you feel like, man, I think I'm a little bigger than this? In the end, I thought um, it's time for me. I, like I gotta go. I gotta move. I gotta move on. And we were singing so many shows, and it starts to just like really destroy your voice when you're singing, you know, 250 shows a year. Um, so you stayed on the road. I stayed on the road for three years and did a lot of shows, like crazy 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 and we would sing like three hours a night so it was a lot of strenuous i mean gospel singers singing from their toes you know and um harmony band like super tight harmonies horn section the whole deal but yeah i I mean at the end i felt like it's time for me to go so where'd you go what'd you do let's see I made a, an indie record a gospel record with a girl named Lee Capolino who is still one of my <laughs> you guy you do your research and I made that record with Chris Harris um, host of The Bachelor no not that oh, different Chris Harris. Harrison oh. <laughs> what if it was Chris Harrison so this this duo is called it's very creative Karen Lee because you were named Karen, and her name was Lee. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of the cover looked like a like a J.C. catalog cover. And so this was gospel, yeah, ish, yeah, ish, but more in the vein that I felt comfortable with. You know, I literally like, don't by recognize. You mean charging money? <laughs> Is that what you mean? Is that like I'm trying to? No, like because we were, you know, it was more of our voice. Truth was more of um, the guy that was in charge. His voice. We were just hired people, sure. you know. But um, I have not heard this. I, I swear to you, I have not heard this in like 15 years. Is that you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's me. This love has. I forgot about that. So that's what I did afterwards. And then Lee and I um, did the same thing. We were just like one day. I mean, we were so broke and... Um, we were both married. I was not married to Jimmy then. Um, we were married. I was married to someone else, Mark Childers. 
How old were you? Super then? great guy. Who is Carrie Underwood's band director? Now? Musically. I just yeah. met him at Mark. the Preds game. Yeah. Mark. That's the same. You married him? He's like best friends with Carrie and Mike and then his wife, Ivy Childers. I know them. I was married to Mark. That's, wow, what a small, small world. Small town. Wow. Small world. So, okay. You, how old are you, though, when you guys are in this duo? Oh, gosh. In my 20s. So, um, I moved to Nashville in 94. Yeah. So, and this is in Nashville. You did this in Nashville. This we duo. did this in Nashville. Chris Harris, who's an amazing musician, he produced that record. And, um, so, yeah. <laughs> another one of the greatest hits. Call Save It for a Rainy Day. You're kind of you're kind of torturing me right now, just because. Not that I don't have the fondest memories of this, but it's part of it's part it of is life. part of growing up. It's part of the story too. It is part of the story. Without the truth and without Karen Lee, without you wouldn't truth. have a little big town. That's true. Like you wouldn't. Well, Kimberly and I were friends before this. Okay, cool. But you didn't get together. And no, th- that's true. Like without all of this, none of this. No, happens. you're you're right. Part of the story. Part of the story. So you guys decide. Done. This is your life. Um. Yeah. We we still talk all the time. She just came to the last Ryman show. And brought her whole family in. Um, she like, dang, I was with Karen from Little Big Town. No, because she's in a group called Point of Grace. Oh, I do know Point of yeah, Grace. Yeah, yeah. So, so she stayed. She went on to do like, um, we both were singing demos for people and singing and like trying to make a living. I used to sing at Amway conventions and sing like cover tunes and stuff. And I would get paid to put a band together. And she and I did that for a long time. And that's how we paid our bills. So after Karen Lee, maybe a little bit during Karen Lee. Not a terrible name, by the way. Like, no, it's a horrible what name. What a terrible name. Like, what a terrible name. And I think that I want to blame that on the label at the time, but I have to take responsibility that I was standing there. And how come your name <laughs> got to go first? I have no idea. Because I would think in a two man, it would be like a coin flip. Lee Karen. It doesn't matter. It's always because anything sounds normal once you say it. Like the first time I heard Florida Georgia Line, I was like, "That's the dumbest name I ever heard." Now it's just normal, right? Yeah, Chumba Wumba. I was like, I mean, right. one of the greatest bands in the history of music. Now it's just normal. Are they? No, God, no. no they have one song. <laughs> but it's just a funny name. I was like, wow, I missed the Chumba Wumba thing. <laughs> no, they have one song. Okay, so you and Lee, Lee. Uh, you're a duo. Yep, and you're no longer a duo. No, we just we both looked at each other like, "Are you having fun?" She's like, not really. I'm like, I'm not either. <laughs> and so we just decided that we would let it go. So then what do you do? So then I'm singing demos like crazy. Do you sing any hits for for people that you remember? Like you sang a demo for... I sang... She Only Smokes When She Drinks. I think I sang a female version of that. I want to say it was that demo. I used to sing like all the time demos and sessions and just whatever I could do. Did you feel like you were better than a lot of the people around you? Like, really? Like, in your heart, did you were like, man, how come I just am not? I, I, I got a, a ticket one day, <laughs> and I, I had, like, teared up on the road after, it was like after a session, or I think we had lost a deal, or maybe we were close to getting a deal, I can't remember, but I just remember thinking, God, this is never going to happen. And I was kind of by myself in the car, like, really... I'm not a super emotional person, but I was emotional and, and I got a ticket. <laughs> I guess I was speeding while I was crying. And so I had to dry it up on the cop. I'm too prideful to like 
Oh, you didn't. You you're supposed to leave it for the cop. You're supposed to turn it up a notch. When I the know cop I should have, but I I didn't. So I got a ticket, and then then I was even more sad. Like loser. But weren't you fr- <laughs> were you frustrated though? Because you did you feel like I'm I'm really good, yet nobody's taking notice of me, or yeah. I haven't succeeded like I'm watching my peers around me do. Yeah, I mean I really felt that way when when the band got together and the four of us. We got a record deal fast, and we got multiple offers, and we signed, and we thought, this is going to be amazing, and we sang on a, like an Oscar de la Hoya fight on HBO, and I mean, they, you know, all of a sudden we were in limousines, and we were thinking, this is, this is it, like, this is going to happen, and our first show was at the Opry, so we had never sung in public until the Grand Old Opry. Wow. Yeah, so we were just thinking that was going to be it, and then it wasn't. So... You and Kimberly knew each other first, mm-hmm. but you didn't sing together. We sang together in college, and like we were in this. But odd, like buddies. Yeah, but we were buddies. Like yeah. we hit it off at choir camp. But then you moved. You both were at Nat in Nashville. She was in Knoxville. I was in Nashville, and and she was commuting. She was singing. She did an independent record, um, and she was singing like little honky tonks from here to Knoxville. And traveling back and forth, and then she moved. And so, as soon as she moved, we started hanging out, and we were just brainstorming one day. I was, I was like, gonna do a country solo thing. That was gonna be, and so was she. And then we started brainstorming, like maybe we should do something together. But the Dixie Chicks were like monstrous; they were selling millions of records, and we were like, why would we do a girls' group? Because nobody's gonna do it better than them. I mean, there's no purpose in doing that. But then we started thinking, well, nobody's ever done like a Mamas and the Papas or a Fleetwood Mac in country music. Not with, not where you could, you know, like really have the harmonies be the lead singer. So we took off trying to do it. Was it ever a thought to call the group Karen Kimberly? Because I love the idea of taking two names and slamming them together. <laughs> not ever one time. Not ever one time. So it's you two and you're like, okay, we're going to do something. Um, where does Jimmy come in? We thought it was going to be a trio. And at the time, I was married to Mark, and he was on the road with Shelly Wright. He was in a band with okay, Shelly and then Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats and Joe Don Rooney, Rascal Flats. They were all in a band together. So Kimberly and I used to go down and see Rascal Flats play at the Fiddle and Steel Bar downtown. And Gary used to show up. And sing, and we were like, holy cow, oh my gosh, you know, but they weren't a band yet. There was just always different configurations of them up there. And we were looking for Wait, Walk me through this. So Gary would show up and sing with Jay and Joe Don playing in a different band. Yeah, they would sing at the Fiddle and Steel, uh, like, when they weren't out with Shelley Wright. And there was some other so musicians. So Rascal Flats would show up. But they weren't Rascal but they, Flats. They weren't Rascal Flats, but they would come together mm-hmm. and play. But then they all go back to their, on their own ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Gary might have been singing backup for Michael English at the time. And then Billy Currington would show up and he would just hop up and sing. So we would we would be all kind of hanging out together and and then I think I think it was Jodon first or Gary first. One of them sang with us first. And then that didn't work out. So you're saying Little Big Town <laughs> at one point was you, Kimberly, and one of the flats. I wish we had one of them in here, one of the flats. Like, if Jay were in here, then we could really tell the story together really well. We should do that sometime. But, yeah, they they were not a band yet. We were not a band. 
And Jay is still mad that I we never asked him to be in Little Big Town. Yeah. If it were Joe Don, though, it would probably be the greatest looking man of all time. <laughs> Joe Don. Um, yeah, Joe Don played with us for a little while. And then then Jay, Gary, and Joe Don decided they should be a band. That's crazy. And so then we got the phone call of like, we're going to be a band. We love y'all, but sorry. And we were like, Dad, gummit, we've been working on this forever. In your mind, what was the perfect scenario at that point in well, your life? Well, at that point, we thought, it, then Jimmy Jimmy was a part of it. Who did you think the band was going to be at that point? I thought it was going to be Jimmy, Kimberly, and me, and Joe Don. Yeah. I kind of thought Gary was just chasing his, he was, he was amazing, but I could tell he wanted to do something with Jay. So, and then, <laughs> then we were like, well, dadgummit, this just isn't meant to be, like, not with not with them. And then they, they put out a song, and it, like, just took off. I mean, literally, they left us in the dust. Like That had to be weird, right? That was, well, it, I mean, we were happy for them, but it was, no, it no, was weird. No, no, not saying you weren't happy, but you're on the same level one day, and 90 days later, they're on freaking TV. They have a number one show. They're, like, on every late night show. They're selling millions of records, and... And opening up for Vince Gill and all these people, and we're still, we're still back at the house. Like, like part of the band that you that was in your band is now selling a million records. Yeah, that's crazy, and weird. But it also shows you how fast things can happen. Yeah, like I talked to so many writers and, and performers, and they're like, you know what, it was never happening, and then there it went. I never thought it was going to happen. And the next thing you know, I look back and it's like that was the moment. I know. And, and for for them, that was the moment. That's why you can't quit because like we didn't. We didn't have the easiest of journeys, but um, it was so, like, meant to be. Clearly, they were supposed to be the Rascal Flats, and clearly, we were supposed to be in the band together. If you call them the Rascal Flats, they'll get pissed. Oh, did I say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did I, say I learned that. the hard way. I toured they, with them forever. Man, they do not like that. <laughs> well, did I say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you did, because it sorry, sticks out to me. Because they, they scolded me hard. They're like, Bobby? Rascal Flats. We are not called the Rascal Flats. Do I call you the Bobby Bones? This is not even near a microphone. I was like, <laughs> I guess it is weird if like, somebody Jay, said the you, little you big do, town. You do not call me the Bible because we are not the Rascal Flats. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I mean, yeah. So Rascal Flats goes to the thing. It's not you and Kimberly again. Well, it's me, Kimberly, and Jimmy. And you guys have now decided we're going to try to make it as a trio. Well, somebody challenged us like to to make it four really early on in the days. A guy named Brian Tankersley, who was an engineer, he was like, "Man, if you guys added a fourth person, it would." it would give you the flexibility to like one person take the lead and keep the three part like country triad going on and so much more versatility. And we're like, you're right. That, that would be cool. But that finding that fourth person was really, really hard. I mean, that's part of the story of the rascal flat deal way back years ago. So we met Philip after all that happened. We met Philip through a songwriter in Nashville and Kimberly and I met him at Starbucks in Franklin and we exchanged music, like CDs, and like he had his own music. Mm-hmm. Was he a lead singer of whatever his project was? Yes, and he was about to sign. He wanted to do like a Johnny Lang, like blue, like eye. blues guitar, yeah. like um, you know, singer songwriter mm-hmm. deal. And he was about to sign his life away to kind of not a great publishing deal, uh, actually a bad publishing deal. And so, anyhow, he we talked him out of that. And, it's a big talk. talk and we got, out of a, we got in the car, Kimberly and I, we were like, well, he's way too 
too handsome and and well spoken to be good. So we were dreading putting his CD in the car, and then oh, there you was, hadn't heard him. No, we hadn't heard him yet. Just somebody just had, a recommendation. You somebody had been bragging on him that he was an amazing singer. So that was like going to be the exchange of music. And we got in the car and we were like, oh my gosh, he's got this voice. And we had always said if we could have a singer that sounded like he smoked all day, that that would really change the texture of our voices together. And that's what Philip sounds like. Was there somebody in between Jimmy and Philip or seven somebodies where you kept trying mm-hmm. and they didn't, it didn't work? No, and we never sang as a band until we were Philip and Jimmy and Kimberly and I. The night at the Opry, I think we sang in CAA's conference room with Joe Don once. As Joe Don is the other member. Uh-huh. Jimmy, Joe Don. I, I got to ask Joe Don that, but I think it was one afternoon on like a conference room deal of playing our agent songs. That's I have so, video of some so of, I don't think I have video of, of any of the Joe Don Gary stuff, but we have video like way back. I have video of like some CAA meetings and where we were trying to figure out if we could afford to open up for Billy Gilman. And what people don't understand, you say afford to open up. It costs money. It's not like, I'll just use my girlfriend as an example because she won't care if I use her. She's opening for Brad Paisley right now. And Brad says, I'll give you $1 per show. You have to figure out how to get your travel there, mm-hmm. how to eat, how to pay for your band. And sometimes it costs a dollar and five cents. Right. So it's, can you last for, she's doing like 60 days with Brad. And Brad's very generous to, to oh, her. Yeah. And, he, so and his generous. people are so, Kendall, I mean, it's, they're very, she got lucky with Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of artists struggle and they lose money. And you forever. Can, you, forever. And then when you're splitting it four ways. Oh, I, I'm going to get to that in a minute. I don't even know how. I mean, then you're like really. Like, are you splitting it four ways? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I used to rent the van. It was my job. I would advance the shows. And you were I, the tour manager? I was like the tour manager. Sometimes I would advance under a different name. What was your, um, what was your fake name? Do you remember? I can't remember. Was it something crazy like Karen Lee? Because that'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Why didn't I think of that? I needed you around. Yeah. So, but we would we would have to come up with, okay, eighty nine ninety nine on a Sprinter van, not a Sprinter van, on a white van, you know. Not even a Sprinter. Sprinter is a, a mini bus with little beds, but it feels like you're laying in the back of a truck when you hit bumps, laying yeah, in the little yeah. beds. Yeah, yeah. This would just be like a regular 15-passenger van. Yeah. And then we would figure out meals in Starbucks and and literally, I have video of like me beating little big town bracelets in the front of the van because we needed to sell, <laughs> we needed to sell like... 10 bracelets and 15 t-shirts and to have gas to make it back home. Do you look back at that time though and go, man, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, man, that when looking back at the struggle, the real struggle, because I, I do that now. I look back when I was, at the time, it was more the paycheck to paycheck. Like, I was mm-hmm. below, and I would go have to do extra things to make, but that was the most fun because I had everything in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, we used to, God, we would, we would drive for hours and hours and hours and just the four of us and we were so tight and we would just like dream, just sit out and dream while we were driving of things that we could do and what we would do if we ever had a little bit of success and a little bit of money and it, that's why now it's so amazing. It really is because it was a long, long, long time. Who was the person that said little big town? That name? Yeah, little bit. Um, it was it was a publishing company. Little Big Town Publishing. Mm-hmm. And did they go away before you uh-huh. took the name? Yep. And so you thought this is cool. 
yeah. keep it? Well, we, we were messing with town names because of, like, Kimberly and Jimmy and Philip are, like, from tiny, tiny, tiny towns. And I was a little bit of the city girl, and we were trying to find names that reflected the music, and somebody turned over a CD, and it said Little Big Town Publishing, and we were like, maybe that's the name. You know, again, you become kind of names. You know what I mean? Like you said about Florida Georgia Line or it was not really weird the at Rascal first, Flats. Rascal Flats. But now Little Big Town's just a name. Yeah. It's just a name of the group that you hear all the time. It's not even weird. But I would think that the first time Little Big Town, that was weird to hear. Yeah. yeah. It's hindsight like, it is. Think about the first time. This is a very selfish thing for me to tell you to think about. Think about the first time, and you won't remember it, but have you ever heard my stupid name, Bobby Bones? Like, who? Is that a pirate? Is that a porn star? Like, who? So is Bobby Bones your real name? No. No? No, my real name's Bobby Estel. And so I was given that name when I was like 17. Hey, Mike, got to get her a copy of my book on the way out. I'll, tell, I'll sign it for her when she leaves. Um, yeah, no, no. Was, I'm sorry. It, I'm just kidding. I, was, I, know, I, was, I know it wasn't. It's, but a, it's I, only I, on Wikipedia. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's my real name. And I don't even hide it, but it's, um, it was forced on me. I was 17. And so it was like, you can be Bobby Bones or Bobby Z. And I was a kid. I don't know. I was like, well, Bones at least sounds like an actual person. And so everywhere I, was, I went, I was connected to somewhere else because I went from Hot Springs, Arkansas to Little Rock, shared some listening audience, Little Rock to Austin, Texas. And I was already doing nights. And then Austin, I was started doing a national night show. And in the morning, everything was connected. I could never leave the stupid name. Everywhere I went, I had the stupid name. It's not stupid, though. Now it's not because it's normal. Because it's normal. Right. And it's because it, it is something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it becomes... My feelings are a little hurt. You know my real name, like a little bit. My feelings are a little. Hurt. I'm just gonna be honest and be selfish for a second. My feelings are a little hurt. You know my real name. That's okay. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. And no, you be should like, though. We should. That, that's honesty when you can openly ask and hurt feelings. When you can put other people at the risk, see, that means you're being open and honest. I'm sorry. Why would you be sorry? You didn't know. Uh, let me talk about Wagwalker for a second. So let me talk about Wagwalker for a second. It is an on-demand app for getting a dog walker. It's like a Uber for your dog. I use it all the time. Just search. Wag walking in the app store. You can search wag. I love it because, again, let's say I'm at work and it's like 1 p.m. and my dog's got to go out. I go boop, find somebody close, and they'll come to the house. They're thoroughly vetted. So, I mean, they know these people. Quality, experience. You can GPS track your dog's walk. You have notifications if your dog uses the bathroom, pees, poops. Your app will actually bark at you. There's a photo report card summary after each walk. You know that your dog is home and safe and details and how many times I use the bathroom? You don't have to be home. That's when I use it. That's the only time I use it, actually, is when I'm not home. WAG sends you a free lockbox, or you can leave an alternate home access instruction. And so you can say, hey, get in this way. You know, type this code in. Oh, my dog just jumped up here on me right now. Ugh. Thank you, Dusty. And the dog walker can uh, will come in. Anyway, it's a must-have. I think it's a must-have app for every dog owner. Just search WAG walking in the app store. Get your first wag walk for free by texting the word bones to 25324. Bones, B O N E S, to 25324. Wag will send you a link. Download the app. Get your first free wag. All right, so I have some stuff for you here. Wag walker. Mm. You have a dog? I do. Honey. Yeah. Um, old dog? Brand new. Wow. Nine months old. Puppy? A puppy. Are you training the puppy? No. Who's we, training the puppy? We have a trainer. Yeah. Um, out at Cedar Valley Canine, really good. Yeah. Why do you have a trainer for yours? Uh, yours no. is my dog is now fourteen. Yeah. 
And when I had my dog, when he was young, I could not afford a trainer. Um, so it's I, expensive. I, tra- oh yeah, yeah. Animals are expensive. My dog has a better life than I do, probably. <laughs> like he just chills. Where is your pup? Downstairs, his yeah. own room. Just chilling like, out. Like being a single guy, and you know, nice house, got some room, got some backyard. He has his own room. It's not like I got kids or anything yet. So he just chills. You'll yeah. you'll just be a great dad. I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wanna, One more thing you don't know about. I, I don't know anything. I want to play some stuff. I want okay. to stop talking about me. I don't want to talk about me. You're a little big town. You're in a van. You're driving all around the country. You're opening for who? When we're in a van? Yeah. Uh, probably the most Phil Vassar. And then Keith took us out on like a weekend, a couple weekends of shows. Was it Keith? Because I've, I've had a bunch of talks with Keith. Was it Keith while he was still crazy Keith? Or was it Keith after he kind of fixed himself? Uh, the first ones were crazy Keith. Yeah. Um, and then not crazy. Yeah. yeah. But he, I, let me tell you, even crazy Keith was still like this amazing good I, I didn't know crazy Keith sold like just amazing person and so yeah just a different part of his journey but both we we to, we've toured with Keith more than we've toured with anybody and Keith was the first guy that ever gave us a chance on a big stage like an arena tour it was him did you guys consider yourself a band or a vocal group like were you like boys to men or were you like Hanson <laughs> <laughs> like if you had to pick one, like what did you consider yourselves? Because a lot of times we just see maybe three of you, and then one has a guitar, or maybe two guitars. Well, but you haven't. I know I'm going to get my feelings hurt. I've seen your shows, and you have been you around have. you. Of course, you have been okay. around you. But I'm saying, yeah, but but you haven't seen us play like just the four of us. Let me think for a second. Hold on a minute. Have I ever seen the four? So like, play? For, to be fair. I don't get to. I'm on the road every weekend. I know. Working. My feelings really aren't hurt. Good, because you can Wikipedia my name real easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, back to my question. Do you consider yourself more like boys to men or Hanson? But wait, can we go back to the name thing really quick? We can do whatever you want. You're, you're in control here. No, um, like John Mellencamp doesn't like to ever re- be referred to as John, John Cougar, Cougar Mellencamp. Right. Yeah. So I didn't know if. If your name, you didn't know my name. That's okay. You I just, didn't know your name, but I didn't know if I it don't was a bad thing. To. No, of course, there's no. Ba- I like I told you before we went on the air. Jake and I got into a screaming match on this. There's no rules here. Okay, just talk. Say whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. I don't care. Okay, so back to Hanson or Boys to Men. Well, are you more like Hanson or Boys to Men? Well, Boys to Men, I think. Okay, but I think more like Hillbilly Mamas and the Papas or Fleetwood Mac. Fair, but people maybe that don't know music or are below 35 won't get that reference. True, but will, they'll get boys to men. Oh yeah, water runs dry. I'll make love to you on bended knee. The two album, the blue album. Are you kidding me? You gotta be. Come on. No, I love them. Nineties. I just saw them sing last year with Dan and Shay. It was awesome. Yeah, but boy. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about seventies versus nineties. Yeah, is why. So you okay? So okay, your boys to men, your country boys to men. <laughs> and here you are. You're up there. And let me play a song for you here. Tell me about this song right here. <laughs> this sounds like a church song. Yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds like the guys' parts and the girls' parts are split up on purpose where you're not allowed to dance with each other. It's like you're singing across from each other at church. That's what I picture in my head. You know what that that is? That's an overthought record. Um, 
and that is us not having our voice, like not fully knowing who we are. But there's elements of us way way in there, you know. What do you hear? There's some good stories about this record, song, time. Um. We didn't want that to be the single. Common for a first single. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't listen to us. Did you begrudgingly go out and perform it? You're like, oh. No, because we no, but but, and and I like I like the song. We like the song fine. It's just that we, it shouldn't have been a first single, and and the record, um, and we blame ourselves for this, but we it's kind of like a vanilla out version of us, you know, like very too much thinking. You can get in the studio and just like think too much. And you can have people around you that think too much. And sometimes that doesn't make for the best music, but it, it also is part of the journey. It's like, sometimes you just don't come out of the gate getting it right. And it's not anybody's fault. Like the people that we made those records with were obviously trying hard you know they wanted us to break and they weren't trying to do a bad job no they weren't trying to put out a bad no not at all i wonder did lee of my favorite group karen lee by the way i wonder if she's like man i could have been kimberly in little big town no because i think she thinks too much that that she had a path and we had a path and it was all what it was supposed to be still does though i would (laughs) i would Okay, so don't waste my time doesn't work. Right. Do you get dropped after that? Um, I think we had, do we have one more? I think we had one more single, then we got dropped. And so when you're dropped, how does that work? What Do you get a call? Oh, we were on the 5 o'clock news. You know, Demetria Kalademos and everybody, I think that's channel. I can't remember what channel that is. Um, We were part of a mass exodus of artists at Sony. And I think there were like 15 artists that got dropped and we were one of them. But for some reason we got mentioned on the news and that we had owed like millions of dollars in recording debt. But and isn't that like recoup that you don't really have to pay unless you make well, it back? Right. Yeah. And, but I, it was weird that we, we were on the news and it kind of really, it just sucked because we were thinking, God, now we're damaged goods. We're two label deals in, you know, we we're out of the mercury deal now we got dropped on Sony. We had Boondocks and Bring It On Home, and Sony still dropped us. So that means they really didn't want us. When you say <laughs> when you say you had Boondocks, like it was already out, or you had it sitting there ready to go? We had it ready to go. Okay, so it hadn't been. It wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. No. I remember listening to this on the radio. I love the end of this song. Thanks. Love I do too. This was the first time we we got the sound right and like got in the studio and we didn't have anybody looking over our shoulder and we made the music we wanted to make and we were broke and like three broken relationships and a husband that passed away and it was a difficult time for the band but we found our solace in making music and you know when you're desperate then you really get down to it could you feel like when you were recording this or something was different yeah like really oh yeah because it's hard to feel different when things just haven't gone right for a long time. You know where we felt different? When we were in Afghanistan, we had this song, and we could tell the soldiers, like, they just loved this song about home. And they didn't know us. We didn't have a hit. And they talked about this song all the time. 
Who it was it written at the end for it to be the breakdown? You know the you get a lot of eyes. Uh-huh, yeah. But that that was in. I always wonder how do you guys decide who. Like, we were sitting around just like this. And we were at Wayne's studio, and he was like, you know, he goes, let's. It feels like it needs like a cool vamp on the end, but like something that Lyle Lovett would love. You know, like something cool, like that feels familiar and yet it's new. And so he started singing that, and then we started just kind of vamping around parts and he was like that's it that's it and then we one by one quickly went in and just started singing those like so the whole ad libby things you know five got points in church on sunday so that was just the thing that that happened mm-hmm. wayne started it and then he yeah i think he came up with that you know what I, I, I like it first of all i i like all those voices and it, to me it sounds a bit like um um I want to hear some funky yeah, Dixieland. Yeah. Pretty the round of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I loved that. You know, I love so Boondock. So you had Boondock, and you didn't. It didn't go out. Like you had it, you were still holding on to it. We were holding on to it, and then we 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 took Boondocks and bring it on home with us. When you're yeah, which was this was the biggest single we had ever had right here. Not yet in right. the story. I love this song. Why do you love this song? I don't know. It's, I love those long harmonies, and I think it reminds me of that time in our lives. I know Just sentimental. What you need. Bring it on home to me. So you take these with you to the New Deal? To a No Deal. I mean, we had No Deal, and and so that's when we we went out to Wayne's studio and we just made just a record, and we had probably eight songs that ended up being on the road to here record and we our lawyer pitched them around town to people without telling people who it was and because we were kind of damaged goods and just to get feedback and again we got rejected several times and then mike kraske who is our old um kind of one of the higher ups at sony who had gotten blown out when we got blown out he felt like it was unfinished business, and he just really always believed in us. So he and Clint Black were starting a label, an indie label. The Clint Black, mm-hmm. not just a guy named Clint Black. Yes, Clint, Clint Black. Black. Yeah, and and so we took this record over there to them, and and then it took off. Like, and it was so amazing. I gotta wonder before it took off though. So you, there are four of you, and it hasn't worked. How close did you guys get to going? Okay, this just isn't gonna work. We're gonna have to go our own ways. We never did. You really never did. No, I remember one truck stop on the way to Boston where Kimberly said, what are we doing? Because we were so tired and so broke. But it was just like a laughing, like, what are we doing? We're crazy. But I just think we've just, we're just so stubborn, you know, like just not going to quit. And so we just kept going. And then this happened. So what was it? Uh, what hit first for you where you were like, Okay, this thing's got some real legs. Okay, the day we were, I think we were in, we were in a North Carolina studio, like parking lot with our radio guy in the car, Jeff Davis. I think it was Jeff Davis, yeah. And we were sitting there, we got a call from our then manager, and we had been crucified in the press, like for, like everything from the way the record looked, you know, that first record that you were playing from the videos to just like, I mean. What was wrong with you? What were they saying was wrong with you? They were just saying, like, put together band, mm. overproduced, slick, 
um, you know, boy band right. with girls in it, you know, just any kind of criticism. I mean, we were written up in the Tennessean, like worst review ever. It was horrible. Like all these things went on. So one day after we'd been out on radio tour, we got a call and, and they said, Hey, um, Bob Orman. And I don't know if your listeners know who he is, but he's like country music critic forever and ever and ever. Do you know him? Mm-mm. Robert Orman. And he wrote, a a critique of the record and he said this is a revelation i take back any negative thing i've ever said about this band and that was like i mean i think kimberly started crying like it is turning around like this is the moment it's turning around so that and it really was he really helped change people's perspective that we had made the record finally that we needed to make and people should pay attention and then Keith heard the record and then that's when he took us out so what song was the radio song at that point boondocks so you now have put it out mm-hmm. so you have boondocks how long where, where this on the chart because it wasn't a number one eight. was it so it went to eight yeah and I used to mail bootleg copies of this when we had it at Sony and we weren't supposed to really be doing anything with it I, I used to mail it to radio program directors and just that were friends of ours and say, what do you think? Just to get feedback. You know, like Jenny Rogers in Boston. I, I mailed it to her and a couple other guys just to say, like Greg Swedberg, I think. Um, Was he in Minneapolis then? Uh-huh. Yeah. So just people that seemed to like even the first record that saw the potential there and, you know... Those people have been friends of ours ever since. Okay. So I'm sure I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did. History is full of people who weren't supposed to do things, who did things. Yeah. And that's how things happen. That's right. You got to make it happen. Tell me about this one right here. Because yeah, this is when I first started being like, hmm, who are these guys? I'm with Crook and Chase. Um... I, I know I love I love this record. I, are you supposed to say that about your own records? I think if you do if, say it, it's very it, you you were very honest because you're not supposed to say it. But if you do, but if you do, it it's a really honest thing to say. You know why I love it? I love it because that again was like a defining moment for the band. Like because because we were in the studio with Jay Joyce. It was it was just the first time we had done something again that was a new chapter a new relationship of production jay is a lot different than wayne they both have they just have very different ways of producing records and jay won't let you think about anything it's all about instinct and what feels good and when he started crafting that moment right there he was so in it and like it was almost like watching a conductor you know he had some of those crazy parts i could tell in his head and he was just like, just going for it. And it it sounds like that. It sounds like people in there really singing and going for it without overthinking. And we never thought that that would be a single, much less a number one record. We didn't Is even... Is your first number one? Um, Pontoon. Pontoon was your first number yeah. one? Yeah. We didn't even play this for Dungan until the very end of playing the record because we were scared to play that for him. Really? We waited until we played everything else, and that was like the twelfth song. We were like, "And we have this." And what was his response? He liked it all. I mean, I think I, I mean he was so happy about Pontoon because he had heard that song, mm-hmm. the demo, and he was like, 
You guys need to stop. Everybody was saying, oh, it's a smash, it's a smash, it's a smash. And he was like, hey, it's not a smash yet. Wait, like, hold on until you get in the studio and you make it a smash. And he was right about that. I mean, you can't you can't start saying that when you don't even haven't even recorded it. So, but he turned around when he heard it and he had the biggest grin on his face and he was like, well, you did it. Yeah, that's it. Natalie Hemby was in, mm-hmm. sitting there. We were talking about this song. And she was like, you know, when it, whenever they wrote it, it was back this B into the water, you know, and they had to change the bad word. What is it? What, what, what do you guys? Back I mean, this? sometimes live, I still say it. Oh, you do? But on right. the record, it's not, though. It's hitch. Back this hitch into the water. Okay. Yeah. And she said, she probably told you a story about the guy that's on the boat with them when they bought a boat. Yes. And she's like, and he's like, <laughs> I hate that I song. I hate that song. <laughs> She's like, oh. Have you ever seen people do that in your show? That maybe like at a festival. I mean, not people that would buy tickets to the show, but I've seen people on a festival like where clearly they were coming to see Blake or somebody that was on, and we were on in front of them, and they'll they'll whisper things like, "Why did she wear that?" or "I hate this song." Have you ever seen people do that? At, for yes, because either when we play festivals and we oddly get put on big festivals in good spots. But the thing is, you either know us or you have no idea. Like at CMA Music Fest, we played the River Stage, right? That's like this. The big one's a football field, the one that you guys played. And then they put the BX on the river. And we're not even a BX. But they put the river in a perfect spot, 4 p.m., right before everybody goes over. And I remember like a third of the people, because they didn't want to leave because somebody good was coming up after us. They were like, what is happening on stage right now? And I can just see it in their faces. So, yes. But they were just confused by us. We're out in jumpsuits and you had to run dmc jumpsuit. All, yeah, all i love that but you guys are actually good though there's a difference it's like our thing is stupid but uh pontoon's first number one tornado's number one um i have so many things I don't yeah but pontoon was and, and then tornado and then i can't something that didn't work i think was next <laughs> so uh, your side of the bed your side of the bed yeah i remember watching i was here I remember watching the performance, like in the bed, and the person doing like the circles and that. Mm-hmm. I always loved your song. This, this is the truth. It seems like I love the songs that don't make it more than I like the ones that do. It, it's weird. I say know. It. Whatever you're about to say, say it. Because I love. There are songs of your. I, I'm just disgusted when they don't make it. I just am so angry at the industry. I know. This came out in a time when not very many ballads were on radio, and so I don't know if that's why. But we wrote this with Lori McKenna. Same person you wrote girl, that wrote Girl Crush. Yeah. I love this song. Thanks. I had this this chorus and the melody of the verse in my phone for a while. And and then Lori had the, the hook. Yeah, I was disappointed when it didn't work. It's just, just such a good song. Like, whatever else. Whatever's on the radio, blah, blah. Like, songs should win. Which later ended up happening with Girl Crush, frankly. Yes. Like, yes. You guys kind of kicked that wall down of can ballads work like well you, you really did it was like can a ballad and you don't get much slower than girl crush Mm-mm. i got a girl crush hate to admit it i mean i yeah, think your you, side of the bed is just as good as girl crush yeah i i know i well you helped this one a lot but this regardless of who helped what the, i'm just i was so disappointed your side of the bed didn't work yeah because i love girl crush obviously but when your side of the bed didn't work, but th- this song, I'll say this about Girl Crush, and I think this story has been told a thousand times, is that I think that kind of kicked the door down for ballads. 
at least in my company, which is the biggest company, and my new boss, which I'm very close to, who brought me here and then I helped bring him here. It was like, look at this. I know. Like, this works. Yeah, and the power of, of that once it started. And sales. I mean, remember the remember how it happened when you played it and then it went from what was it it wasn't even on the chart it wasn't on the chart yeah and then it was like bam it was like number four or something the story number two i remember i remember exactly because i remember us talking we were in new york and day drinking was about to hit number one and this record was about to come out so day drinking was the single and i was like i'm not listening to the record until it comes out that's always not a rule i don't listen to the record comes out record came out at midnight that's right and there were like four songs that one of the guys who worked at your label, Steve, said, hey, these are some other songs. And I heard Girl Crush, and I was like, holy crap. And I was in New York City. I was like, Amy, you have to play this song. I got in so much trouble. I've told you before, they did, did I tell you before? They spent a research money, my company did, to research this song and see if it was hurting my show. Have I told are you, you kidding me? No, no. So this is why they literally spent thousands of dollars because I was playing it all the time, right? Re- researching to see if the controversy was hurting you? So... The song it wasn't wow. a it wasn't a radio song and it was mm-hmm. to everybody else it was a lesbian song yeah right but I thought the song was so good and I started playing it and I would play it and I would be like the song's so good and I would did it for like a week right and so my company's wor- they get worried and they they hire uh, without my knowledge and not even in a bad way uh, one of those rooms where people can sit in it and mm-hmm. and they feedback yeah what, what are those rooms called Mike research rooms uh, focus rooms. focus, focus rooms. Well, uh, fo- yeah like a focus room. And they had people listen to it and see if it was making them angry that I was talking about it. And it ended up being like 60% were okay with it and 40% weren't, which is still pretty high. Mm-hmm. But You mean high on the negative side? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people think we made up the controversy, but we didn't. I mean, no, there I, were, I know you didn't make up the controversy. I know, but I've had I've had people in the business stop me and go, "Man, that was a good one y'all did." I'm like, "What do you think that we would actually do that?" When you guys came to the studio, I, it, I there these are memories I haven't thought of since. But I'm sitting here, you know, you sit with someone, you remember things. You and Kimberly came to the studio, just you two. We were talking about it, and Emily was listening to the show in DC. And Emily Yard writes for the Post. Mm-hmm. She and she messages me. Hey, she's like, "That's a crazy interview. That song, like," and I was like, "There's a story here." And don't put me at the front of the story. Put somebody else because it'll automatically turn people off because I've been screaming about it forever. And she put like a DJ in Iowa or something first and did me second. And boom, controversy. And it was, I love controversy. I was a love, but I, it was, was that weird for you guys? Did you feel like you were being attacked or was uh, it awesome? Well, we had done a few interviews kind of a, a couple of weeks before trying to like, ward off some of the negativity not of just like maybe moms that didn't think they wanted their children to hear I want to taste her lips in the morning on country radio and they were calling in to complain and so we were getting on there saying you know oh it's a song about jealousy and you know just having to try to like get the stations to play it that we're thinking about dropping it because of the negative calls so then this happens with you and I remember you saying Maybe a couple of weeks before the Kimberly and I session, you said to the four of us in the studio, doesn't it make y'all mad that like you have like such a big selling song in iTunes and you're like at number 40 something on, on the, the chart? Charts? Yeah. Do you remember yeah, saying I that? I do remember saying that. That's what then started it too. And then I was Kim- pissed. Kimberly and I came back. The post thing was written. The Iowa guy wrote his thing. Jimmy saw the Iowa guy... I guess he wrote something on a blog or something about it. He saw that on the bus late one night. 
And I remember all, us all gathering in the front lounge of the bus and going, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? And all I really cared about was that the song didn't get lost in the shuffle of controversy. I was afraid it was going to go away. And I was like, this is such a special lyric, such a special song. Please don't let this go away. You needed the shuffle mm-hmm. for the song to get out. Yep. You needed the shuffle for other songs to get out. That's the weird thing about it all. You guys just didn't do this for Girl Crush. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, other ballads, the You Should Be Here is from Cole Swindell. The, those songs like that would not have been on the radio if you guys wouldn't have put out Girl Crush. Because that song was against everything that radio was supposed to be. I know. By the way, I, I was pulling my hair. I'm frustrated right now talking about it. And this is two years ago. It, it was everything wrong with radio. It was slow. It was female. Well, it probably ballads weren't researching It well. was long. Yeah. And everything. It was a 6-8 waltz. Everything I mean, was wrong with it. I except mean, it was perfect. Except for it was perfect. Except and it stood out. It was, like, it was, you couldn't ignore it. You know? And that's what, if there's anything that I learned through the years of when you're making music, it's like you have to stand out among the pack. Even if you fail, even if you lose sometimes, it's so much better to be like fire than it is to just be ignored. Back to how we first started. I'd rather be on the worst dress list than no list right. at all. That's right. That's right. And I'm okay with getting And I get beat up all the time by, yeah. in, by the, the, the guard, the natural guard. <laughs> oh, kill me. Let me tell you what other song really irritates me. That, and I know you guys just lost it with Happy People. I love that song. I was playing in the dance party. I, that was such a good song. I think Happy People is going to have its life somehow. Can you sell it to a cartoon? Like a movie? Like a Well, film? I know. Doesn't it feel like it? Yeah. It's, again, it's so different. People were scared of it. It sounds 70s-ish mm-hmm. to me. It has that kind of bell-bottom. I hear bell-bottoms dancing. I hear people at Woodstock. Listen. And I think that different always scares people until it's not different anymore. I know. And I, I was so and, disappointed. And you know what? When we're in the studio, we're always setting out to be different. And so when we made that record, we could have cut it a different way. And we specifically chased, chased, chased the very things that you're saying. Like, well, we were listening and referencing to old records and going, the kick should feel like this. And it should feel very, like, trainish, You know, not train the band. Um, but... You know, it didn't. It's not just one of those records that just jumps out and smacks you upside the head as a radio hit, I guess. But I think, punch it, radio but I think it would have been. I, I do too. I love it. Yeah. I might just keep playing it, just piss everybody off. I think it should be like in a commercial. Or I something. do too. I think it should be in a cartoon or something. It's so happy, and I just like happy songs too. Me too, and I think it's an important, important sentiment for right now. How about this one? Someone stops loving you. It's a very good song. I did like so. I know I knew the song, and when you guys played it at the CMT Awards, mm-hmm. I love the song to begin with because it's a, it's very it's very musical messagey. I love messagey songs. Uh-huh. I love songs that you can hear words. Yeah. And, um, I was like, it's a little risky. I know. A little risky <laughs> to go and and I know throw a ballady song out with Jimmy. I know. With. But it's, but it's it's the rule of the band. It's like we just we have to go with what we think. I love it. You know, we, I love we, it. We just have to go with our gut, and we have to go with what also we f- see people reacting to, 
And I don't think you can, that's the research. You cannot ignore people lighting up in an audience, even though people will say, well, you can't, don't ask your mom, you know, of course, but she's going to like everything you like. But when you see people moved by a song or they're talking about it or, you know, you're so good with your fans, you can see what they're talking about, what they love, what they light up about when you're doing your stuff. So it's the same thing. We can see it too. So we're just going to roll the dice again I love it. and see if it works. I love risks. I love failing because <laughs> that means at least I gave it a big old swing. I know. Ah, I do. I do. I, I told Luke one. when Luke Brown one day we were on tour and I was like, you can't remember not having a hit, do you? He, he didn't remember. I mean, he, he does remember, but he, you know, he, he's like one of those guys that just, and his fans, they just adore him. And I do too. We do too. But he, it's been a long time. Some people can just try risky things and radio's going to play it all the time. I don't know. For some reason, we haven't always been that band, but that's okay. Because when we, we do have them, it's huge and radio's been so good to us. Because you have females in the band. Like, that's the real reason, regardless if you want to hear it or not. That's Do what you it, think? Absolutely it is. You don't think this industry is, like, a little, like, mm, to females? Of yeah, course of course you do. they do. Of, of course. course I do. And you have females that you... And you guys do an amazing job, because I don't know if you call yourself the lead vocalist, but you're the lead vocalist of the group, in, in everyone's mind, because you sing more of the lead parts. So the main voice that you hear is a female. So, it's like, you think of Lady Annabellum, that's a girl, that's, that's a girl band. There are two guys and a girl, but it's still a girl band. And so that's why that's all it is. This, this format's a bunch of haters. Well, I, I, I'm going to say this. A few years ago, I was so discouraged about this subject, and I think there has been a little bit of an improvement. Absolutely. I mean, to see Kelsey, Marin, really bust through and on a Grammy level bust through that we've made progress. It's better than it was a year ago. And in a year, it'll be better than it is now. You don't want a revolution. You want an evolution. Because a revolution comes and goes. The worst thing to happen would be if people start throwing females on the radio just to put females on the radio. Yeah, because it's so much better when it has substance. And and girls write substance songs. It's just more difficult to play it on the radio. And... And I just think it's it's not balanced and it's not true real life when you're not playing women. I don't even want balance because I'm okay if it's imbalanced the other way. I'm as long okay as it's if it, good. That's all I want. Yeah. Like let's not not do things because of something. And I see it. I deal with it all the time. But well, oh, I'm gonna ask one more thing. I'm gonna wrap before we wrap up. Like, are you making a lot of money in your clothing line? Because I wouldn't think you would early. <laughs> It's a new business, you know? It's like, it's a brand new baby. So. Are you in the hole a lot, though? No. Do you have investors that, that came in? Uh-huh. You can, I, give well, me, you can call me and be like, hey, you want to come yeah, right. in? <laughs> you want to yeah, you want to invest on the worst stress list? Uh, Those are the kind of lists I like to invest in because you get in low. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The stock is low. Um, it's been successful. Tell me about this line. It's been successful. Um, and my, I have a partner, an apparel partner in New York that like executes the vision. Um, but I'm not a person to just throw my name on something. So like I'm going to New York early in the morning and we're brainstorming about a few pieces and I will hover over fabric for hours and hours and hours tomorrow. And I will, I'm not a sketcher, but I will like write out notes tonight, like 
all the time about details and what I want to do. I really love fashion and I always have. And I love, it's an expression of the music in a deeper way to me. And it's part of your personality. I mean, I love that you guys are wearing those jumpsuits and stuff because it, it is y'all's personality. It's your personality. And it is so identifiable. It's like, you know, bam. You're saying something. And you know what we're saying is the Raging Idiots. This is the God's honest truth. Like that band became, it should never become anything. It really shouldn't have because we're not, I can't sing. And we're not any good. And I surround myself with. You can with, sing. I saw no, you. No, I've no, seen no, you no, singing. No, 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 no. So, secondly, uh, people would come out with, they'd be like, what is this about? Because the last thing I want to do is see an actor get up and try to be an athlete or an actor get up and try to be a singer. I'm not trying to watch Eddie Murphy download his right. songs. So I was like, okay. People are always like, all right, prove me, you suck, prove me wrong. I was like, I don't want that. We're going to put on stupid jumpsuits, and so you know when we walk out there, we know we're not serious, and you're going to have fun, and, and that's it. Well, and I mean, that's why you're selling out places, because people are having a big old party, you know? That's the key, too, to Luke. That guy knows his audience. You know your audience. He knows his audience. He is so in touch. Church, he knows his audience. He goes out there, and it's like he's... You know, it's like method acting. It's like, not not that he's an actor, but you know what I'm saying. He is in tune with what his fans want to no, hear. No, I get it because I know what my listeners want and I try to give them exactly what they want. Because mm-hmm. I, I know what they want because I am them. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the weirdest thing. Sometimes I think we don't. Like, we don't give, we, we're all, sometimes we get lost in our own art of. You're also four people, to yeah. be fair, with four different personalities. Very different and lives and influences and so I mean you're a mom you're a mom yes it's like your kid's famous to me I see him on Instagram I'm like your, your kid your kid if I saw him be like holy crap look your kid your kid's famous to me because I would see him on Instagram I like pictures all the time Jimmy's coaching basketball right now we have a double double game tonight how does he does he coach all the time is he the coach? Uh, he's the coach. He's the co-coach of this league of basketball. Are you guys Seven-year-olds. able to have a somewhat normal neighborhood where people don't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, you know, school friends and Elijah doesn't know that this is not normal. He thinks getting on the bus and, you know. Is he cool because of you guys? Like, is he popular because his mom and dad are uh, a little big time? I don't really have a, I don't know. I really don't know. I do know that I almost teared up at the Predators game when Elijah didn't know it, but he was sitting. He knew he was sitting behind Keith. He knows Keith um, from touring, but he was sitting next to Mac Davis, and he didn't know it. And Mac Davis is just one of the greatest songwriters ever. And and when the Predators scored, the whole you know suite erupted with joy, and Keith turned around and slapped Elijah five. And then Mac Davis slapped Elijah five, and I was like, "My child does not know <laughs> that he is te- he is literally slapping five with two people that have so much musical influence on not just me as a writer and a singer, but on country music history." I mean, Keith is a future Hall of Famer. Mac just won the Icon Award. We sang in the ghetto. He wrote in the ghetto. Yeah, crazy, huh? I mean. So I got a little, I get teary-eyed on things like that just because I think he, someday he'll understand it. Does he want to sing? Because his mom and dad do? He more likes to dance. And he credits Luke all the time that that's where the moves come from. He's kind of a good dancer. He plays drums, plays a little guitar. 
He sings, but he sings. He, I think he's going to be more into rap music. Just like his mom. <laughs> he loves Michael Jackson and Bruno Mars. Like, he likes things that groove. So he's not as into our ballads as he likes, like, you know, the fast songs or the rocking songs. Well, I think, let's see, Kelsey Marin, you are the next. We only have one left on the wall. These are, I have six pictures on the wall that I keep. I don't put anybody else up there. Those are like the people, those are like, it's, it's you guys, Kelsey. And listen, I work in radio, I get all this crap, I get crap all the time. All the time, people send me crap. Here's a plaque, here's some crap. I don't keep any of it. I'm but so glad we made the wall. Those are like my, the people that I really enjoy being around. And it's Kelsey, you guys, Marin, Pasley, Jansen, and Urban. And Urban's the only one that hasn't come in yet. I haven't let him yet. This was never going to be artists. It was never going to be, we're just going to bring songwriters in. And then Marin was the first artist to go, can I please come on? And I was like, no. How long do we keep Marin off? Two months? And then... And then Dirk's... No, then, then Kelsey. Kelsey and Jake. Jake, Dirk. Has Cam done it? Because you and Cam are friends. No, Cam hasn't done it yet. Yeah, Cam and I are friends. But no, now has Lindsay done it? Yeah, but it was different. It was when we first... It was before. It was, no. Uh, no, it was when we first started dating, huh? Yeah. Like, when we first started dating. And so she came on then. But, yeah, anyway, I'm glad to have, have you in. That's, that's, I, I, did you have fun? Yes. Is I this, hope I didn't bore you. No, no. If you'd have bored me, I would have changed subjects. No, listen. <laughs> this, you, you are the genius. This you are is the what good you do. What you do, and I do what I do. <laughs> so would you know? Like, would would you be mad if I had a radio show? No. Why would I be mad? No. Just like we were talking about. Oh, with Lindsay, that thing. No, like like Eddie Murphy. Like you wouldn't, you know, and you were talking about no, actors and becoming singers and different. Like I like Chuck Wicks, mm-hmm. and Chuck's over on the Cumulus yeah. Station. And he's an art, he's an artist. I think they, they're making him kind of play a character over there. That he's really not. But I like Chuck, and I think, yeah. I don't, you know, what do I care? I think everybody should go out and just do the best they can do. Make what you can make. I mean, I don't want I don't, I don't want to do a radio show. Well, it, but you I can. think it's too hard. I think it's hard. Hours, you don't sleep. I don't know suck. how you sleep. Well, but that's you just also got back me. from Haiti. I'm on the road every weekend. I do since January till well, I, I've been doing stand up all weekend. So my my clocks never. Get I want to come to a stand up show. Now, I, we did want, I did want a uh, T-Pack, but you'd be on the road. Well, but, not so, as much this summer. Yeah, but I don't want to do it in Nashville. Have you ever had Josh Wolf here? Can you remember Josh Wolf? Oh, no, no, no. I know Josh, but never had him here. But you know who played, because I did, it, you know, here's a funny story for you. So, um, first of all, it's a Nashville show. I don't like to play Nashville shows. I love my Nashville listeners, but mm-hmm. everybody from all the blogs and all the pay, they all want to come out and see if you suck. It's not see if you're good. <laughs> they all want to come out and just see if you suck. I know. Because they've been seeing ticket sales. They've been seeing Twitter posts, the full theaters. Let's just see if you suck. That's what everybody's thinking <laughs> when they come out, right? So I'm like, great. I got to get – but I, like my Nashville listeners are amazing. But I, it's like I don't want to deal with the, the see if you suckers, right? So I'm like, what? Just, I just want to do it. Uh, so Ross Cochran comes out. and he I love co- Ross. He comes down. And Ross is a friend. He's been on. And so Ross comes down and he plays um, – the song that he wrote for Chesney, uh, which one? What was it? One of like thirty-five. Yeah, the one big one with pink. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sunshine uh, and the pink yeah. kingdom. What is it? World. Yeah, Southern World. If I sings that, and Carly Pierce, who I'm taking out with me, is my main act. Love her uh, for voice. the next for the rest of the year. She's my awesome. she's my um, awesome. support. And so she comes up and plays. And who do I? Who comes up? Who do I bring up? Uh, Zach. Zach Crow. Okay, so do you know who Zach Crow is? Okay. Yes. He's Sam Hunt. He produced. Uh, like wrote body like a back row. Yeah. Okay. I don't know who he is. I had no idea who he was. I don't. I don't know that I've met Zach, but I know his name. I know nothing about him. And all this, I'm doing this bit where I don't want to run the bit, but 
I, I juggle knives and I hump a face and stuff, right? And so I have no idea who he is, but I'm humping his face basically. And he doesn't oh know. My gosh. He has a blindfold on and everybody's laughing. And he goes back down to his seat and I finish the show. And someone's like, oh, that was a guy bro, like produced by like a back road. And I was like, oh, so he's coming in like three weeks. I, I, I owe it to him right, to come in. But yeah, he should come out sometime. It's he fun. wasn't mad though. I don't, I, I don't know because I didn't care. Maybe I just, it'll be your second fight. I did do the show. Yeah. Do you ever have any hecklers there? Um, I had like someone comedy? stand up. Um, no, two reasons. One, I do theaters. So the theaters are usually between 1,000 and 2,500, depending on what town I'm in. And they're in seats, and it's very uh, – everybody's – you have their attention. Yeah, right. And theaters are different. Than, yeah, no, it's different for us too. Yeah. And so, no, and because tickets aren't super cheap – People are there to really like focus and have, and, and the crowd usually shut people up. If listen, somebody starts yelling something, the crowd will be like shut. Up. They'll beat them up. So I don't have to worry about that. Like my people always have my back. Have you, you ever had a fight break out? Yes, I was in. Uh, well, Boston, there was a fight. Boston, they fought before I got in there. But in in Western Massachusetts, uh, someone stands up and yells, "I'm going to shoot you!" <gasps> and I'm like. Oh, I've already had it. I've had like five incidents, right? Where I think I'm going to like die already. And so I'm like, well, so I just sit down behind the speaker because I know the promoter is going to not pay me if I leave the stage. Because sometimes promoters may not be the nicest of guys. We may be looking for reasons to not pay me. And so I signed a contract. Not to, I was doing my hour set. And all of a sudden there's a fist fight in the audience. There's another fist fight right below it. And I don't leave the stage and I sit behind it and I just keep talking. The cops came. It was a whole thing. And then they get pulled everybody out of the theater. I was like, so anyway. <gasps> they pulled everybody out of the theater. They, they pulled everybody that was fighting. They put, took people to jail. It's amazing. But I never left the stage and then I went right back into the act and everybody was kind of like, but. It, I've stopped a show before with the fight. You have? Oh, yeah. Because I saw like a guy like trying to hit a girl and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like right in the middle of a song. Is that before YouTube? No. Uh. Like before people started doing that on YouTube? Yeah, maybe. Because I think that would be put up all over the internet. Yeah. Uh, you know what happens? Fights happen a lot. Drinking. It's the drinking. It's the drinking. That's what it happens on my shows hand. too. I mean, I would think at an Eric Church show that it would be like a fight every night. Or every everywhere. Like yeah. you would just, which area of the crowd would I like to look and see a fight? But And with Luke, we would see them get really, like really having a good time and some of them would get out of hand, you know, but... I, I, I don't like that. I want you to like come and have a good time. For Chill. me, because it's quiet and I don't go on until like this show, start, show starts at doors open at seven, show starts at eight. My first act goes on and then say Walker open for me for six months. A Carly will now. And then I'll come on third, right? And do it. Start. By that point, if they're drinking, they've been drinking a lot. Right. And it's really quiet. So you hear everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, it's fun. You should, I, I hope you come sometime. I would love to come. I'll be, I'll 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 come, come. And I'll come to one of your shows sometime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I will Wikipedia you before we but, do this but again. Here, here's the thing. People don't realize that really you don't get to spend a lot of time with people in this town because when mm-hmm. you're home, you're doing home stuff. And then when it's time to do like out people stuff, you're on the road. Yeah. The only time are like the Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays sometimes. Yeah. I'm glad you came by. Well, thank you for having me. And thanks for letting me do the voice. I didn't let you do the voice, first well, of all. No, there was not, nothing. I know, but you you were gracious about it. There was nothing even gracious. You had to go do the voice. Didn't Wheeler Walker Jr. Um, do it? And yeah, yeah. Do you know he, Ben? I just met him. Nice guy. At Liz Rose's um, yeah. album release. Nice guy. He was like, funny. I know. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's ni- crazy. He's a nice guy. Like, I, I ain't even going to run his shit. I think he follows me now on Instagram. I'm so honored. Yeah, he's a nice guy. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank I hope, you. I hope this was 
therapeutic. It was awesome. And I think like you going to Haiti and surprising Amy was the sweetest thing I've seen anybody do in a long time. That was, she was about to like, she was losing it on the show. I'm a little uncomfortable. Okay, right talking now about it. Because, not because of the subject, but because she's done it like 20 times. And I did it once, and all of a sudden, people are like, Bobby, you're the greatest. And I'm like, I know, but you that's have your, no idea. Like, but, Amy does but it all the time. I know, but that she's you're her friend. That's like a best friend going, hey, I wanted to go meet your kids. Yeah, that's a best friend thing. Like, we're not radio co-hosts. Right, yeah, I can tell you're best friends. Like, that's like my... Yeah, you wouldn't do it if you... No. I mean... Like, I don't... You think Mike D, I care any crap about him? I'm just kidding. Mike D, like my dear, dear. Mike D's been since my intern, like years and years and years and years and years ago. Oh, that whole show is my team. From they're yeah. all friends. They're, none of them are radio people. Thankfully, they're lunchbox. No lunchbox for 13 years. Men in a bar. So they were all on the Austin show, the talk show. Some of them were, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Amy and Lunchbox were. Ray was an intern. Morgan, my executive producer, now is an intern. Mike was an intern. Like everybody was. Does Ray really have bed bug bites? On, yes, I don't know what he is. I don't. Know. I, don't I don't ask that kind of questions. I, I saw the Instagram today. Disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, we're going to go. I appreciate, okay, thank I appreciate you. you talking to us. Uh, episode, what's this, Mike? 66. 66. I feel like I've learned <laughs> a Thank lot. you for the, the trip down memory lane. I'd really write, I mean, that Karen Lee, Lee man. Yeah, There's that. really something to that. You should re-explore that maybe. All right, we're going to go. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.